Yo, what is up? You have found We Like the Blazers. I am Brandon Goldner. And right there through your screen, so close you can almost touch him. It is the incredible and the recently promoted Ryan Whitledge. Ryan, even as I mess up your last name, Ryan Whitledge. I know how to say your last name. Ryan, what's up, man? Has it been that long since we've Ryan Whitledge. <laughs> That's close. Hey, I mean, uh, okay. I, uh, I had a speech impediment when I was growing up. Uh, it took me a long time so to figure, figure my way around that. And it was, um, I couldn't pronounce like the ch sound. So having the last name of Whitledge was horrendous for a long part of my school days. Yo, I'm there with you. I couldn't pronounce R's or S's. So instead of Brandon Goldner, I was Brandon Goldner. And it was very, very embarrassing for me for a long time. But we are both beyond that. Yeah, I was, our... uh, oh, I was I was Ryan Whitledge. That's that's how bad mine was, is I, I very much like pushed all the spit in my being like through my cheeks for any SH, CH, J's and G sounds. Only the best. Uh, what is it that you call it? Um, speech therapeutics. There's another word for it. Um, here on We Like the Blazers, we're here giving you all the tips on how to go over speech impediments. But Ryan, the Blazers have gotten their own salary cap impediments? Question mark. They have had a heck of an off season. Not off season. Wow. It really has been a long time. They had a heck of a trade deadline. And to be completely honest, there is a lot here that I'm feeling really, really good about. So there are lots of podcasts, a lot of really good stuff. We wanted to bring you something a little sunnier, something a little more positive. I threw out that meme about we are going to record a podcast that is so positive. There is a lot to get to, and you have done an incredible amount of work uh, to do some research, and I'm just flying blind. So why don't you get us start? This is the most awkward start we've ever had. I'm just going to call it out right now. That's uh, fine. That's why don't you we're get us started? We're awkward There's, humans. We're awkward humans. We are. We're allowed to do this. It's true. We're not professionals. We're allowed to fuck up. We're definitely not pros. And really, the takeaway here is the Blazers and Joe Cronin did a lot. Okay. And I, by the way, I would say that most Blazers fans were hoping that at this deadline, that Joe Cronin, the Blazers would do a lot. And so check number one, like problem solved. Something happened. A lot happened. So with that, why don't you set the table, put the tablecloth out, get those wine glasses ready, put the steak knife next to the butter knife. Maybe Just grab get a course banquet if you're trashy like I am. Get a sparkling water if you're sparkling or a regular water, which has a coaster stuck to it somehow. Um, <laughs> why don't you set the table? Uh, because right. I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> I want to preface a little bit of this. We're not going to go into the minutia of like the on this day, the Blazers did this on this day. When we go run down this list, it's basically going to be who left and who's still here. But I think one of the biggest things that I noticed with this trailblazers deadline was that there was a massive over-evaluation on what various players on this roster were worth and what their value was to other teams in the league. And Joe Cronin alluded to that yesterday in his press conference. I think it was, I think he alluded to it in his press conference, or maybe it was in part of an interview somewhere else. I can't, I can't remember, but it was basically like the, the organization was kind of caught off guard by Mm. what they could get for the pieces that they had. And a, big part of that for me is because of the previous regime of Neil O'Shea. 
you know, Neil O'Shea was very adamant of that. CJ McCollum and Damian Lillard were the best things since sliced bread. We went into this previous off season being told that, you know, hoping for giant moves. We, we always assumed and wanted that they'd resign Norman Powell. But when that ended up for lack of a better term, being the only thing they did that you can necessarily, you know, of, of significant consequence, especially with the contract, you know, Olshay pivoted and re-signing Norman Powell was our free agency. That's what we did. So, you know, those kind of things amp up fan expectations and beliefs on, on certain things. So I just want everybody to kind of have that in the back of their mind as we're having these conversations about, you know, what the Blazers actually got back in, in these transactions from the trade deadline. Fair. That's fair. I actually just realized that using the zoom emoticon for raising your hand, that actually might affect the video later. So uh, just ignore that. What I wanted to ask you though, in listening to explain that you and I were pretty critical of Neil Olshay and his tenure in Portland, especially near the end. Are you suggesting Ryan that the way Neil Olshay evaluated the Blazers team impacted even people like us who were skeptical, skeptical of Olshay? You're saying that he had that power over us. It's a Stockholm syndrome kind of thing. I mean, like we all knew he was an asshole. We all knew he was bad but we were listening to him did we internalize his value of the players we had nine years of this snake oil salesman selling us i thought this is going to be an all positive podcast it is it is i just want everybody to kind of have a little bit of (laughs) of this thought process in the back of their mind as we go through and talk about these transactions so that's fair what what are the transactions all, all in all in one foul swoop. The Blazers Great. no longer have from that poster that I got two days before the first trade broke when, <laughs> I, when I went to a game. They no longer have on their roster Norman Powell, Robert Covington, CJ McCollum, Larry Nance, Tony Snell. And in this, we're going to count, but Cody Zeller because he had to be waived to make a roster spot. Sure. For getting rid of what I think, what? technically count as a starting lineup and uh, on a couple crappy teams yeah, uh, for sure the the blazers were able to bring in eric bledsoe justice winslow keenan johnson josh hart dd luzada joe ingles elijah harris a first round pick from the pelicans with some very specific protections three guaranteed second round picks and the swap rights to the pelicans 2026 second round pick okay so the parade starting, uh, I believe it's scheduled for tomorrow pregame. Uh, <laughs> the salary cap parade is because I would love for you. Those are the players in and out. Those are the draft picks. And, and part, sometimes it's it's weird that like I'll hear something not fully listened. Did you explain that the first round pick from New Orleans is weirdly protected? Yeah, yeah. It, it has some very unique and strange protections. The first round pick from from the Pelicans, it is if it lands in in spot one through four. Uh, the Pelicans keep it. Uh, the Blazers get it. If it lands five through 14, uh, which still counts as a lottery pick. And if it lands, uh, uh, anywhere below 14, the Pelicans keep it. 
in the instances in which the Pelicans keep it, I believe it is a 2025 pick coming from the Bucks. I don't Correct. know about you, but I don't fully expect them to be a completely shitty team by then. But yeah, nope, they're not going to be in the lottery. And then it conveys into, I think, like two seconds or something after that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And after that, then there's no pick. Uh, one okay. of the weird, one of the weird kind of kerfuffles to think about it is like, I know this is going to cause a lot of Blazer fans to watch in the standings, but say the Blazers end up with like the, the six worst record. So it's, you're going to assume that they have the, you know, the six worst uh, or the six pick in the draft. And then the draft lottery happens or whatnot. If, if somehow the pick for new Orleans, like if they land four yep. and then all the ping pong balls happen or whatnot, and the blazers bump up, there's a possibility that new Orleans could think that they're keeping their pick. The blazers pop up to maybe like the third or second or first, if that happens and it bumps their pick down to fifth. And then you could be looking at the blazers having a top four and the number five. I guess what I'm here, I'm, what I'm hearing you say, Ryan, is that you're guaranteeing personally that the Blazers will be picking first and fifth in the upcoming NBA draft. I'm doing no such damn thing. You do not aggregate that one bit. Don't, but, no aggregation. Okay, so you talked about players in and out. Talked mm-hmm. about the the draft compensation. There's one more aspect to this, which is salary cap flexibility. Now, as a fan, this is something that could be completely honest. It's a little confusing to me. So I'm looking to you, Ryan, as our resident cap expert to explain how much more flexibility the Blazers have this upcoming offseason, as well as explaining that $20 million traded player exception and precisely how you can use such an exception. Ryan, take it away. I'm I can, I can also help here a little bit. I'm not going to lie. The number of people that I've talked to today to try to figure out exactly how these books and what the rules are Yo. is mind boggling. And I mean, I professional I fit, reporters struggle with it. Let's just say that. Okay. Like, I've, talked, it's true. I've talked to seven people, all people that I respect with math and cap numbers and the NBA. I got seven different fucking answers. So if you're looking for some form of crystal clarity, it's not out there, but there is, there is a, a window in which the blazers can operate. Um, for one, um, I want to backtrack a little bit. The, the first, the first trade transaction that when it went down was Norman Powell, Robert Covington. And we all knew it was either going to be a, a Robert Covington or possibly a use of Nurkic that, that the Blazers were going to try to move to try to get under the salary or the luxury tax line for this year. They were about three, I want to say three to $4 million over the, uh, over the luxury tax line. And it would have absolutely destroyed their ability to make meaningful either free agent signings or moves or whatever, if they ended up being a taxpayer this year, because that would have put them in, in the repeater tax category. And uh, a misconception for a lot of people is that they think you have to be a taxpayer for three consecutive years. It's three out of, I, I believe it's three out of five years or three out of four years. One of those two. So this is the Blazers gap year. Now they've gotten under the luxury tax line. They are not in danger of being a it repeater. resets the repeater clock as Cronin said during his press conference. Yes. Yes, it does. And so this is now not only beneficial to next year, but it is beneficial to the next three years. The Blazers are a massively, you know, 
NBA favorite title contending team, you know, two years from now, they can be affording to pay exorbitant tax fees and not looking to get off of being a repeater the year after that. But so that, that was always step one, goal one. And going back to what I said about Neil O'Shea and how he sold us on that Norman Powell was the, the main free agent signing and the most important piece for the Blazers coming into the season. A lot of people overvalued Norman Powell's contract um, and thought that what the Blazers got back wasn't necessarily anything of value, especially seeing as that it took Robert Covington in order to, you know, facilitate part of that deal. And, you know, do you believe the Blazers got fair value for Norm Powell's contract? I do believe they got fair value for Norman Powell's contract. I do Great. not believe they got fair value for Norman Powell, the player. And I but, think it's, I think it's important to understand that distinction because the, you know, Norman Powell is a fantastic player. He's going to fit in great with the Clippers. He's really going to be able to help them out in, in what they want to do. And especially with PG and Kawhi coming back next year. Uh, I, I was on the, uh, the clutch talk podcast last week, talking about what I thought would happen in the upcoming trade deadline. And this was bef- after the Norman Powell okay, um, deal. Anderson. And, uh, Hey, they plug us. It's fine. (laughs) And, uh, and they, I, I told them that with a fully healthy roster, like as it stands with the Clippers, I expect them to be a a top two to three team in the West next year. Norman Powell will be a big reason for that. But one of the reasons that the Blazers weren't able to squeeze more value out of Norman Powell, the player is because his contract was for so long and there's not, and there's not a lot of teams that were willing to take on such a long-term deal, especially because it was an escalating deal. But see, and that's where Zora wanted to make a point. What was that, Zora? Oh, Zora says, verily the two shall twain. You cannot separate the player from the contract necessarily. Like, it doesn't matter how good you are as a player. If your contract is goes on for a long time, which his did, which it was, if it's pretty expensive, which his was, then your attractiveness around the league is going to decrease, right? Like, again, it doesn't matter if you're healthy and you're a good player and you fit well and all that stuff. So it's like, um, I, I do appreciate that the Clippers will be much better next year. And by the way, it's pretty great when you have a Kawhi and a Paul George to slot in another guard next to, that's a great convenience to have, right? Like, yes, of course, that's going to be a good fit. So just to say, you can't really separate one from the other, but for what I'm hearing you saying, well, on this- I, the, the reason I say that is because us as fans, we look at them as the player, the right. franchises and the, you know, the owners for as much hand wringing as there's Jody's cheap. She doesn't want to spend money, yada, 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 but the GMs and whatnot, they look at these things as balance sheets based off the plans on what they want to do. So yeah, you know. and it's it's a combination of what does the player bring? And then, yeah, like how much how obligated are we to this player? How old are they for how long? How much money? So, yeah, like Norm Powell's contract diminished his attractiveness around the league, even though he's a great player. And so I think what I hear you saying, Ryan, is that was a good deal for the Blazers and that fans should feel good about that. Is that fair? Fair yes, value that they yes, got for him? Now, one of the things that I will say is, you know, because Eric Bledsoe is still on the roster, that that was a little bit of something that kind of surprised me. But 
him coming in with, you know, the value of his contract, but it only having, you know, three, you know, just a hair under 4 million guaranteed next year. You know, it's, that's a later on attractive trade piece that maybe wasn't attractive to some teams right now. So yeah. we'll see how that goes in the off season. I, I, there was a lot of speculation flying around about, you know, well, you know, the Clippers are receiving or are receiving tons of calls from other teams about Robert Covington, at which point then us as Blazer fans, we all hear that and we're going, so he did have more value. So Cronin did get fleeced. You know, if other teams are calling the Clippers about the guy that they just got, why didn't we accept these calls? Uh, there's a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes where it's rival executives put out shit to make some people look bad agents do certain things, whatever, uh, as far as I understand. Uh, and I believe uh, transactions can verify this Robert Covington still on the Clippers. So for as much right. as allegedly everybody else was calling about him, he's still there. He holds value to the Clippers and there wasn't any added value that they could get from him. So I'm going to say that puts a plus and a win in the Blazers category. Now here's an interesting twist to that too, about, you know, um, thinking about how Cronin, He's a newer GM, but he's, he's been around a while, but he's a newer GM, right? Mm-hmm. Did he properly evaluate the value of Norm Powell and Robert Covington in that specific trade? What I would say is if a GM is undervaluing one of their players, what does that mean? That means that there are more teams around the league that may be interested, which means that you're looking at more deals, which means you have more to compare from. It's just an interesting dynamic compared to if you overvalue your players, then you don't really have anything to compare it to because no deal makes the cut. So even if Cronin did maybe slightly undervalue both Norm Powell and Robert Covington, that doesn't mean that he wasn't talking to the other GMs around the NBA. Like there's no like, okay. May actually, I'm going to contradict myself. Like, (laughs) is it possible that like, GMs are like talking and texting. Like, eh, don't, you know, let's try to screw over Joe Cronin. Cause he's brand new. Like, and they're all in cahoots. Like, yeah, probably not. Okay. I'm just speaking it out loud because like, if you think there's some conspiracy against a new GM, like, yeah, maybe, mm-hmm. but probably not. All of this is to say though, you, this started with talking about the Blazers flexibility in this upcoming off season, how much cap space they have. And again, like I, I I'm, I'm repeating and putting words in your mouth. So, but <laughs> so you believe fine. that the Powell Covington deal was good, probably in large part because of the flexibility that it creates this off season. What is that flexibility exactly? Well, and another, another thing real quick, and this leads into that flexibility topic, but another thing that, that Norm and Robert Covington, uh, deal did is, is it allowed the Blazers to not approach all other deals that they pulled off from being in a position of weakness where teams knew that they needed to dump salary and get under. And so it allowed them to be a little more flexible and lenient with certain deals and certain transactions. And they, and they weren't coming at it from all other teams looking at it going, we know you need to do this. And so that happening so many days before the trade deadline actually happened, allowed the organization to take time and try to work out some of these other things that they want, these other dominoes that they wanted to set up. You have to look at it in the aggregate. You have to look at it all together. Yes. And uh, I think I threw out a tweet like that of, uh, it was, it was my anti Neil O'Sheaism of that. I was going to withhold judgment. <laughs> like I wasn't going to like immediately go, Oh my God, what are they doing here? And then, Oh my God, that's fantastic. And then, Oh my God, here, I'm not going to look at everything in a vacuum because I've spent the last nine years being told if you look at this in a vacuum. <laughs> yep. 
I mean, okay, let's 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 do talk about what flexibility the Blazers have this offseason. Because, again, like I do think it matters to talk mm-hmm. about all of these trades all together and what it means moving forward. Mm-hmm. So can the, you tell the, me, yeah, how much <laughs> – what's the cap space situation right now for the Blazers? That is a fantastic question because if you're going to believe anybody that you happen to scroll through on Twitter, the Blazers have either zero cap space and zero flexibility or 70-some-odd million dollars. And, and that that's because they have some free agents. I mean, probably mm-hmm. the most notable of which being Anthony Simons, but also mm-hmm. Yusuf Nurkic, also mm-hmm. Josh Hart, also Eric Bledsoe. And so they have to make decisions about those players. Also, they could trade some of those players around uh-huh. the draft. Jo- By the way, Josh Hart is not a free agent. He it's a it's a non guaranteed. So it's a team option, basically. Fair enough. But basically the Blazers, the amount of cap space they have is dependent on their decisions. They could trade some of these players. They could guarantee them or not. They could extend them or not. And then with all of this too, you have to think about the sequencing of bringing in a new person. If they did want to go, you know, backfill after that and sign Anthony Simons, cause they have his bird rights. They, they have more flexibility to do that, but best case scenario, how much flexibility did the Blazers create with all of these deals? At most, at most, the amount of available cap space that they have to, or the most, let's just put it, let's use these terms. The most amount of cash that the Blazers have to throw at players this offseason is just a little north of $46 million. Okay. But in order to reach that figure, you would have to denounce all of your traded player exceptions. You would have to denounce your or all players who are not pick up any qualifying offers on any of your players and renounce the rights to your, your draft picks. So if you get rid of everything, so that's not going to happen. <laughs> Correct. Okay. But you know, there's been, I think Woj probably started this rock tumbling down the hill. He threw out whatever tweet that fricking Joe Cronin, obviously Joe Cronin and Woj have a great relationship. We've learned, but, uh, um, he threw out a tweet saying something like the Blazers have like $61.2 million in available cap space and yada, 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 and a player exception, uh, from a C- the CJ McCollum trade of like $21 million. And it's like, mm, not all these things can be true. And so I will say this, you know, uh, Tori and Eric have been doing, uh, from blazers uprise have been doing, uh, a, a really good job of, of kind of breaking down the, some of these cap machinations, uh, even if you aren't necessarily a fan of their delivery and such things, but, uh, they, they actually do have a really good understanding of, of the cap and how this lines up for the blazers. But, um, if you want to boil another thing down, it's, in this CJ McCollum trade and how it was structured and how it was done, because order of operations means everything in the NBA and how you structure deals or what, what happens when and whatnot in trades and signings and all this. But in the CJ McCollum trade, uh, think of it this way, trading CJ McCollum netted the Blazers, a $21 million trade traded player exception and trading Larry Nance jr. Got them the draft pick. Cause that's how it works, works out financially in the trade machinations. Okay. And so traded player exceptions are extremely weird. So 
the, the blazers in this, there's two ways they can operate. They can operate as a tax paying team or a non tax paying team. And how you operate in that tells you, tells you what kind of salaries you can absorb into this traded player exception. So if you really operate, quick clarification, sorry, the okay, end of ahead. this, the end of this year, they'll be under the tax, which resets the clock regardless of what they do during the off season. Correct. Correct. Thank uh, you. As, as of uh, noon Pacific standard time yesterday, it, I, their books are basically set. They're under the cap. Great. They're not, they're not going to be a repeater. You know, they, Thank they, you. You know, they could buy out Eric Bledsoe, but, you know, there his salary is already figured into their cap figures, whatever. Cool. Um, um, but anyways, so it, it's depending on the avenue you go, it's you could take that twenty one million dollars and absorb a player in that makes up to one hundred and seventy five percent of that. So I think that puts it up to like 127.2 million. Or if you operate in this Avenue, you could absorb a player, uh, the 125%, which puts it, I want to say at like 123 and a half million, if my math's right, but how you operate in that you would have to renounce all of your restricted free agents, which means you're giving up the bird rights to all the players who you own bird rights to, in this case, Joe Ingles and, and Yusuf Nurkic and Anthony Simons and, you know, all the important players. Um, you would also give up your, uh, mid-level exception, your biannual exception, all those things. So while there's flexibility, there's certain penalties along the way for how you want to operate in this. Okay. So, so I here's, mean, let me, I, I, I try to think of it this way. The last couple of years, the Blazers have been down a, a bumpy dirt road, right? Which occasionally there'd be a driveway with a house that you could pull off into knock on their door and ask if you can use their phone. But what Cronin has now positioned the, the franchise and organization to do is he's got them on a highway and there are exits every couple of miles to be able to get to your destination, which is a lot better option to have than being stuck on a bumpy dirt road. Yeah, that's exactly right. And let me, I'm just going to run through one scenario where they could be starting from. Okay. Mm -hmm. They could go into next year with these players on the books, Dame at 42 million, uh, Josh Hart at 12.9, Justice Winslow at four, Anthony Simons have, has an $11 million cap hold, then Keon Johnson, Nasir Little, Didi Laduza, Greg Brown the third. Then you have the two draft picks, which is like five million bucks a piece. Andrew Nicholson's stretched contract that's still on the books, and then a projected waving of Eric Bledsoe. If that was their starting point, notice I didn't mention Yusuf Nurkic yet. Mm -hmm. If that was their starting point, they'd have about 20 million bucks in room to do something. Plus, you then have the traded player exception, which you could kind of fiddle around with. So what, mm -hmm. what I'm trying to say, and, and one more thing with this too, they could have a little bit more, they could have a little bit less. The other thing to think about, like, big free agents like what's the like a max contract it depends on how long you've been in the nba zero to six years 30 million if you've been there seven to nine years 36 million if it's 10 years or more 42 million so they could potentially make a max offer with what they have depending on what they fiddle with that is flexibility they absolutely did not have and my point is this and this is why i'm optimistic slash positive about it 
the Blazers were stuck. They were stuck. They were Uh stuck with CJ. They were stuck with Norm. They were stuck. Okay. They are now very much unstuck. Cronin said it himself during the press conference. The easy part is tearing it down, but they didn't do it half ass. They went as whole ass into this, (laughs) getting more flexibility as they possibly could. Maybe Yusuf Nurkic. Okay, fine. Without getting rid of Dame. They have set themselves up to have options. And if your goal is for next year to build the best possible team around Dame, they now have different ways to do that. Depending on where the draft picks land, they could, you know, sign and trade with a draft pick, get someone back better, use a traded player exception. Okay, cool. They could get a super high draft pick and just pick that person and hope that they start producing immediately and really build towards the future while Dame is in his twilight years. They have Anthony Simons. They still have Nas Little, like, right, like, they have options mm-hmm. now that they didn't before. It doesn't guarantee that the Blazers are going to be better next year. It doesn't guarantee that they're going to be so much better the year after, but they're no longer stuck with a team that in my view before it just wasn't a winning team. It wasn't a winning mm-hmm. team. It wasn't going to be, it doesn't matter who your coach, who your coach was. They weren't going to be a championship caliber team. Now, if you squint, there are ways to possibly get there. And I think that people should feel good about that. That's my point. So one of the ways that they can get better too, like there's been a lot of, you know, everybody's looking at this as, you know, Oh, so the the Blazers have cap space, uh, but Portland's not a free agent destination. You know, how are they going to, you know, whoop do you do? They're not going to be able to pay to get anybody. Oh my gosh. This is just going to end up for us overpaying for Malcolm Brogdon. Isn't it? Ah, that's, that's going to be the big signing. (laughs) Another Um, Greg Monroe situation. Exactly. Another but, Chandler I mean, Parsons chase. Yeah, but again, Hato like, Turkaloo. <laughs> remember that shit? He was oh, like this close to coming to Portland. His wife wanted dude, to go to Toronto. Build I us out. <laughs> was pissed that I missed I his so air, I, that I missed his airport visit. I was supposed to be there. I was going to be there with a sign that was Turkaloo to PDX or whatever freaking crazy <laughs> bullshit I thought was creative in my freaking early twenties. That's funny. But, <laughs> but no, one thing I want to touch on about that. So for one, uh, well, okay, I'll, I'll get into this, but in, in for the free Sorry. agents, for the free agency thing in general, I think that we, again, and this kind of boils back down to the, the previous regime. Um, I think port, it is true that it is, it has historically been very hard for Portland to attract free agents and to get people of consequence to choose to come and live in this, you know, look outside, look, look at all the rain that is happening right now in this hellscape of a winter, you know, and, and all the cloud cover and all that. I, that's jokingly because we're having an abnormally sunny winter so far, but, uh, it was um, so nice today. Yo, it was like really, really nice. (laughs) Yeah. And, uh, but that's been like that, that was true in the Kevin Pritchard era. That was true before the Kevin Pritchard era, that that kind of stuff was hard. When we got Neil O'Shea, we got a GM who I'm gonna assume didn't do the world's best sales job to impending free agents to convince them to come here. When he himself was sitting on ESPN panels with Adrian Wojnarowski talking about how shitty it is 
in Portland and how difficult it is. And nobody wants to come and play here. That's not how you sell somebody on something by going out and making public statements that it's difficult because nobody wants to be here. Well, yeah, if you say nobody wants to be here, nobody's going to want to be here, but trying to provide besides, himself cover for why he couldn't. Correct. But even besides that, if you want to go back and say, okay, well, yeah, but Kevin Pritchard was a really good GM and he wasn't able to do it. And you know, all these other GMs before him. Well, yeah, but that was also back in the day before, there was the social media age and there was the reach that there was where it was a lot more dependent on what kind of endorsement deals and shoe deals and all that, that you could get based off the team and the market that you were in. I think today's NBA landscape is a lot easier to, if you have a guy who can properly pitch the city, the team, the, the other players in this case, Damian Lillard to guys that it doesn't, they're not looking at it as impacting their wallets and affecting their brand or affecting their endorsement deals or whatever that they could possibly get by coming to Portland. I mean, people are clamoring to go to Milwaukee and it's because Giannis has proven himself to be a top player in the league. Much like you're telling me players want to play on a championship level team. I'm fucking shocked. Correct. (laughs) And now I'm not, I'm not trying to say that, you know, Oh, well, Dame is on the same level as Giannis. He's not, but he's in the same ball. Park. He's on the also, same your play. Point, your point he's, he's on the yeah, he's on the same playing field. So you have a top-tier talent that if players and their egos can feel like I can provide them what they need to get this over a hump, if I can play with a player like that. And in today's social media landscape, you know, you don't need to be in an LA or a New York or a Miami in order to do it. Great. And we've seen that we've seen so many players over these last years as social media has taken off. And, you know, I mean, even just look at the player movement in this player empowerment era, you know, these players aren't allowing themselves to be tied down. You know, Kevin Durant isn't for the longest time. He was the Oklahoma city thunder, but he's, he's not anymore. There, there are plenty of modern day NBA fans that are more fans of players than they are of teams. Yeah. You know, so so the marketing opportunities are there. And so that's just trying to look at things from a business aspect. And I, and I'm very curious to see if that can have an effect on how Portland could possibly attract free agents. Now that there's not someone like Neil O'Shea, who we know didn't like the area, who most likely didn't properly sell the area. And as many public statements saying that it's hard to get people to come here. I think that I, that's I, right. I think you that can that call does... me naive. You can call me naive for that all you want, I, because I know we have so many years of history for it. But I mean, what's your take on it? I agree with you. The world has gotten smaller. We live in an internet age. You also see Damian Lillard. Most, more than fifty percent of his, you know half of a billion dollar salary is not coming from the Portland trailblazers. It's coming from Adidas. Forbes has his Forbes has his yearly earnings pegged at that. His player salary makes up about 40 between 38 and 42% of his, his earnings per year. 
That sounds right to me. So you have that piece of it. The world is getting smaller. Even if the Blazers haven't scored a free agent, you know, lately, it's easier to do in the aggregate. It's easier to do with a GM that's not actively disdainful for the area. I agree with that, too. And I also think fans should feel good about the fact that Cronin, during his press conference, was very candid about these moves setting up for next year. And we already mm-hmm. kind of knew that based on the move. So we didn't, we didn't need him to tell us that, but the fact that they're looking at next year, I think really matters. And so with that, it, and I think it's hard to talk about trades because, you know, you could trade for nearly any player in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's harder to talk about that. It's a little easier to narrow it down when you talk about free agents. Mm-hmm. Are there but any, I, well, there's nothing in this upcoming class. See now that, and that's where a lot of people are having some skepticism. Au contraire, about, like, mon frere. Oh, who's your top tier get? A Give me the free name, agent class. Just a little name with four syllables. Starts with a Dion and ends with the actually five syllables. I guess DeAndre is three and Aiton's two. DeAndre Aiton. Hey, yeah. Phoenix should have paid him. Phoenix didn't pay him. Maybe he's feeling a little bit jilted about that. Maybe he thinks he could play a different role in a different system somewhere else. I'm hyping myself for, up for this. I don't <laughs> think it's likely he's leaving Phoenix, but he would be, if he's in his early 20s, he would be an incredible fit with someone like Dame and Anthony Simons. That'd be amazing. What, what I also want to say too like you also have there there are other players you look at what i also think we should feel good about is joe cronin being pretty insistent on Mm -hmm. the positional fit that they need to see with the players that they bring in they're not just gonna bring in someone who he once had a positive relationship with (laughs) like i mean so I think people hey, should Cronin's think about been that here for 14 years. He's got a lot of positive relationships then, but that's a good point. But yeah, you know, is it, is, is there the slightest of chance that you or I could win the mega millions or Powerball tomorrow? Yes. Yeah. Statistically and mathematically possible in that same realm. Is there the possibility that the trailblazers could throw out a qualifying offer to Deandre Ayton? And he accepts it and the suns don't match. Yes. But I think where the blazers can advantageously find themselves is with teams like the suns, like the nuggets, like the jazz who are very good and contending teams that have the really Sixers need to rebalance a little bit. Yep. Sixers too. That have, do they want dirt... Tobias Harris anymore <laughs> that have dirty books? That they need to clean Dirty some stuff books. up. Well, it, it, well, so I'm just I'm I'm pulling up the the, yep. the numbers right now for the Phoenix Suns, and so you know in that you know DeAndre Ayton's cap hold is right at max of about like 31 million or whatnot. But grand total, I mean, do 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 do. No, somehow I missed that grand total. Don't mind me while I wait for time. But like, and right remember, now, he so, has the smallest max possible because he doesn't yet have six years of service. Yeah. And so, you know, the, the salary cap maximum is $121 million next year. Uh, the, they are projected to have anywhere or be underwater. Uh, so into the luxury tax, anywhere between 11 million and 64 and a half million dollars next year. And that, and that would be with paying him, but like, do they need to move off of a Jay Crowder? 
type player in order to kind of maybe clean things up or, or, or keep certain people, you know, there's Mikhail bridges, uh, you know, it, it's just look at these teams that, that are not so set financially and how can you advantageously take advantage of them and, or, well, you know, fac- facilitate their needs. And that, that, me, that, that again is it references the, so the free agent signing is one exit on the freeway that the Blazers find themselves in the being able to acquire players, you know, with, uh, you know, this is a lot of people laughed at like, Oh, well we or Joe Cronin's statement yesterday. We have Joe Ingles bird rights. Well, you know, yeah, his cap hold is 19 million. He's not going to get that at his age coming off an ACL signing a new contract. Um, is it possible for the Blazers to work out some sort of sign and trade for, to send him back to the jazz or for some other team that would like his <laughs> services, you know, facilitate things like that and take on a lopsided trade. You know, th- those are avenues. That's another exit that's open. Yeah. No, I think that's right. I'm, and let me make this really simple, a real simple Brandon fan level question. The Blazers <laughs> got rid of their second best player. How optimistic are you that the Blazers now have enough flexibility to get a second best player who is better than CJ McCollum? And now by better, Oof. let me make my, See, that, let, that's the hard that, turn that, to yeah, but let me be clear. Do my really bad Barack Obama impression. Um, let me be clear here. Let um, me be clear. Uh, uh, <laughs> by clear better, as I can be. <laughs> by better, I don't just mean can get a bucket. Um, mm-hmm. I, by better, I don't even mean like scores the most points. Better means right now we're talking about Damian Lillard right now. We're talking about maximizing what's left of his prime right now. We're assuming that Dame is going to be okay next year. He's had this nagging injury for years. He's finally gotten taken care of. We are assuming that he's going to be at, or at least close to the all NBA level that we've come to expect from Damian Lillard. So by better, I mean, talent and fit. And I think you also have to say not just Dame, but also Anthony Simons. I think your Mm -hmm. one, two is going to be Dame and Ant. There's a whole, there's so much good to say about Anthony Simons, but we're going to leave that aside. So are you optimistic or how optimistic are you that with the Blazers newfound flexibility, they can get a second best player that is better than CJ McCollum? I'm going to say that I can, I can, I'll probably put my optimism level at like, you know, the mid sixties to, you know, low seventies. And, and, but the the weird thing about that is, is that I couldn't tell you who the fuck it's going to be right now. Yeah. Because one of the, one of the weird things about the NBA and this, again, it benefits the Blazers every year. There are teams that stub their toe in the playoffs constantly. If at this point in time, last season, we would have been looking at the Philadelphia 76ers. Could you have predicted that they would have gone into this year, having this Ben Simmons drama with how they were playing last year? No. Last year. Could you have predicted that James Harden would have reached a point where he wanted out of Brooklyn and did everything the other team than that he just forced his way into <laughs> exactly. And did everything other than publicly state it because he didn't want it to damage his reputation, but he didn't realize that we're not 
fans that are complete idiots and we knew exactly what he was doing. Yeah. No, you couldn't have foreseen these things. And, you know, even coming into this season, everybody thought the Lakers, it was going to be the Lakers and the bucks. And that's going to be the finals. I remember you being quite a bit lower on the Lakers than people like, dude, I am going to do the world's biggest fucking victory lap at the end of the season. (laughs) I am framing every tweet that I threw out there that said, Take it for what it's worth. The Lakers are going to be trash. I need you to go back in the archives and find the fucking clips. I'm right. selling. I am selling that audio as an NFT. I'm going to fucking do it. <laughs> they've actually been healthy enough to where like you actually get to take credit for that. Whereas the Blazers, so much weird shit happened that like no one could have yeah. predicted this. Yeah. For, everything, in- for everything I'm right about with the Lakers being like playing like trash. I'm also wrong. And the Blazers will not reach 54 wins this year. They most certainly will not. And I have a, an interesting analogy, and I don't know if you're able to verbally describe this image that I saw. It was about thinking about it was um, thinking about your life and, and the different paths that you've taken to get to this point and the paths you can yet take in the future. Mm-hmm. It's this image of like all of these like different pathways in the past that kind of coalesce to the present and all those different pathways are closed off, right? Except for the one that you took. So there are hundreds of different things you could have mm-hmm. done hundreds of different ways you could have come to be. And there's no use in feeling regretful or remorseful because those paths are now in the past and they're closed off to you. Mm -hmm. The cool thing is starting currently in the present, your life and now the Blazers franchise looks like a beautiful tree with all of these different pathways and all of these different branches that they could potentially go. What Cronin has done is he's taken the Blazers from this very narrow set of potential paths and has given them an incredible amount of future possibility, whether it's trade, whether it's free agency, something weird happens in the NBA. One injury throws off the course of some other team that now needs mm-hmm. to offload a contract and the Blazers are now there ready to absorb it. Great. How, and like how, how different is the league right now? If Kevin Durant wears half a shoe size smaller, right? No, seriously. Yeah, exactly. His foot was so barely over that line. And like, that's how close. So yeah, like, and that's where like, you know, uh, opportunity mm-hmm. meeting prep pre- preparation. Like I I'm, I'm butchering all this. The, the, no, the, it's fine. Now the your, your, your analogy, all those paths taken yes. and untaken and whatnot. Right. Those are the, those are the roots under the ground. Yep. And we've seen this tree stump and now mm-hmm. we're looking up to figure out how these branches are going to branch off and make their, and make the final tree. And now to be fair, I think what people should feel good about is the Blazers, regardless of what happens around the league with the other 29 teams, the Blazers do have many different machinations where they can be better Mm -hmm. next year. That doesn't guarantee that will happen, but it totally could. And look like, especially when I, I mean, I, I, everyone loves the draft. Paul Allen loved the draft. I love the draft. I'm so hyped for this draft. Like the fact that the Blazers could potentially get, a, you know, it's a, it's a pretty, I think it's a pretty top heavy draft, but it is, it is not unreasonable that they could get a top four pick. I mean, that is not out of the question. And it's also not out of the question that the Pelicans pick would convey. If both of those things happened, that's even more flexibility, right? They could pick those players. They could trade them. They could like, so yes, like I'll, I'll just start out there right now. One of my favorite websites since the tank for the Blazers. You know, I was going to make uno- such a bad uno- joke right there. <laughs> unofficially start, unofficially started, but now I think we all know it's official. It, it, it started. The one of my favorite websites to go to is tankathon.com. Classic. They are, they are 
fantastic in their odds. And I'm just going to let you know, I just opened up their website right now and it'll give you the draft order as soon as you open it up or whatnot on their NBA thing. It'll just give you where, where everybody is based off their current standings. Then there's this little button at the top that says SIM lottery. You hit that throws up a couple graphics for like two seconds and then it gives you the lottery order. So I just click this right now. I'm going to do it too, but yeah, you, you keep going on my machination on this, this time that I did it, Portland trailblazers, number one pick. Indiana Pacers, number two pick. San Antonio Spurs, number three pick. Orlando Magic, number four pick. And the New Orleans Pelicans, which then goes to the Blazers, is the number five pick. Like, that's mathematically possible. And if you look, this roster that the Blazers have. By the way, that would be the absolute best case scenario. Yeah. Uh, Stay away. Stay the fuck away from Chet Holmgren. That's all I got to say. I, really quick, I, mine came up with Blazers at four and nine, which is still really good. Like that's still like, and, and for people that want to, we're going to talk a little bit about this draft for like next eh, two, three minutes or whatnot. But like, remember golden state last year, all the hype that they got around the number seven and the number 14 pick and some of the offers that were coming in on those kind of things, you know, uh, even teams that, you know, possibly like they could have moved up and snagged the top pick, you know, the, the general consensus and, you know, closer coming to the draft will haul Steve DeWaldon because this is got, this is right. This is porn for him. The rest of the blazer <laughs> season, this is his porn. This is what he loves. Um, looking at these draft prospects and whatnot, but the general consensus is that outside of the top four to five players, it kind of drops off. But, you know, Chet Holmgren is the best known name, but he is currently fighting with, uh, I want to say it is, uh, Jabari Smith is, uh, if I remember right, let me click on damn it. I just fricking. Oh, By the oh, way, that tankathon good. thing is pretty addictive when you start doing it, and and I also you, just okay, but you can't just keep pressing the button because then you get obsessed. I okay, like yes. seeing it, but but, but Jabari, your piece, yeah. Jabari Jabari Smith, he is a power forward out of Auburn. Um, he, I mean, it's flip a coin between him and Chet Holmgren, who's a center out of Gonzaga, who desperately needs to eat a sandwich. Um, I weigh more than Chet Holmgren and he's like seven. Kevin Durant needed to eat a sandwich and he's been pretty good his whole career. This is true. And Chet Holmgren, one of his comps is Kevin Durant because he has handles. He has distance shooting. But Jabari Smith is, is, is a stacked legit six ten power forward who has a comp to LaMarcus Aldridge. (laughs) His comp has been anywhere between, you know, LaMarcus Aldridge and, and like a, uh, uh, somewhat, you know, short, uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Um, Let me, so if, if, if you're looking at the possibility, if, as yeah. we're going to talk about how we view the blazer, we'll kind of wrap it up a, a little bit along this point. Um, I do want to end with giving a little bit of appreciation to CJ. We got it. We got it. We got to send that. that I have a question off. really quick though. Okay. And, and, and so, uh, by the way, as you're hitting the thing on tankathon, it's on current standings right the blazers got significantly worse some other teams got they are currently projected to be the second to third worst team throughout the remaining part of the season 
Are you concerned with what you saw in that Lakers game? A bunch of scrappy upstart no, fuck the NBA Lakers. players fuck em, fuck em, fuck who are I paused the just tank. The tank yearning for a chance to excel in the league and they play so hard and they play Chauncey Billups' style and they're just kicking ass and taking names and that they don't tank? Are you at all concerned the Blazers are too good? They're too energetic. They're too hungry to tank. Does that concern you? No, I mean, okay, good. Me neither. Uh, there, there, there could, I mean, there are strong possibility that at some point in time, you know, Anthony Simons could develop a nondescript, uh, you know, lower back spasm that, you know, I is going to hold him out Yusuf a couple Nurkic, games. I hope that he, you know, that, that he doesn't actually get injured, but they, something like that. <laughs> calf strain. <laughs> I loved what Russell Westbrook said today about, Oh, oh yeah, God, my back's hurting shot. because they're, because I'm not used to sitting sit so much. much. Come on, man. Okay. Sorry. I, but anyway, anyways, let's uh, end, to, to yeah. go into what, what, what the, another possibility of how this roster could look, you know, um, a, a big name that was mentioned, especially on the last day of the trade deadline, you know, the, or the last like 48 hours, uh, the blazers were heavily linked to Jeremy Grant. And I would very mm-hmm. much like Jeremy Grant on this roster. I definitely am. 3000% happy that Jeremy Grant is not on this roster because, because they were, um, because Detroit was holding firm in player of consequence or two first round picks in years past. I very much feel as though Neil Olshay would have punted these two first round picks that the Blazers just got to Detroit so that he could have a shiny toy to talk about in a press conference. Very much so, because he liked trouting out, here's what I did right now, and here's what I can offer you. So the amount of restraint that the organization just showed, I'm very happy about, because these two first-round picks have a possibility to pay dividends. And if the Blazers do end up in a top four position, just based off their own record, not, not counting anything that could come from new Orleans, you know, say the blazers do end up with the fourth and fifth pick that could be valuable, you know, to the Orlando magic or the Houston rockets, or, you know, one of those teams that ends up uh, with the first pick and the blazers could easily package a four and five to move up to a one and get a player like Jabari Smith, who is considered and as much as nobody, I don't think other teams would do that. Just saying, well, I'm just, you know, whatever. If, okay. So in this case, you know, from my hitting sim lottery, whatnot, the Blazers end up with number one pick skies. There's whatever, (laughs) you know, if silver right now, Jabari Smith is considered a player almost on the level or like kind of on the level of like an Evan Mobley where like, look what he's done for the team that he's gone to, you know, sure. it is an immediate impact player. So for people, there are sitting some back players going, that can have an immediate impact. Yeah. And, and those players are going to be the top four players in this draft. And so if the Blazers can land themselves there, you keep the pick, you draft the guy and you insert him into your starting lineup. Jabari Smith is, massively attractive to me because a massive position of need for the Portland trailblazers since LaMarcus Aldridge left has been a competent and good power forward. So if you want to bare minimum, let's just wishful thinking here, say that the blazers are going into next season with a lineup of Damian Lillard as your point guard, Anthony Simons, who is a lot more willing and athletic defender than CJ McCollum was with a player like Josh Hart, who, you know, doesn't have the world, doesn't have the world's 
best three point per shooting percentage, but is a damn good defender and a respectable, a respectable shooter. A Jabari Smith, who is considered a plug and play impact player coming out of this draft and a Yusuf Nurkic. I think that sets the Blazers up really well to possibly contend. And I'm not, I'm when I say contend, I'm going to caveat it with this contend to make a finals appearance, not win right. a finals, but to be there and do things. And I, I agree with you. I, I, I agree with virtually every word that you said and the way I would frame it. Cause I'm going to do that white guy thing where I take what someone else said. And then I pretend that I said it. Um, I love doing that. I love taking credit. So for things you're going to mansplain do. my own opinion to me. Yeah. I'm going to white guy, okay. your white guy thing um, to say, <clears throat> The, the, the Blazers previous iteration of their roster, in my view, was never going to contend anyway, and their future was crippled. What you yes. have now is potentially they could potentially be better next year and their future is undoubtedly brighter, undoubtedly. And, and, and now this is for a different podcast. I want to talk about sometime, you know, and this is speculation, but like, you know, will Damian Lillard be Damian Lillard? And for how much longer? That's a question for another day. You wanted it's to a, end. It's a legit question. Yes, it's a legit question, but we're not going to talk about it today because today's about positivity. There's a, th- th- there's a lot to look forward to, hmm. um, including, looking forward to seeing former blazers playing on other teams. I don't um, know. Do you look at a stat line from last night? That was very CJ esque. I'm, I'm wearing my CJ McCollum <laughs> Jersey. You can see it. Um, I want to start really quick though with, with, I mean, well, I, I was, I was heartened to hear that CJ was involved and in where he was going to end up, which I think is like that for a non a zero time all-star that is a shitload of respect to give to him. Well, and that's one of those things too, that, you know, kind of plays back into my, you know, this is a different Portland than it used to be because Portland is showing has now, you know, granted some of this is Neil O'Shea. So I do have to give him the world's tiniest hat tip for it, but you know, the, the Carmelo Anthony's legacy, whatnot, you know, Carmelo Anthony, arguably since he got back into the league has had a better and more respectable resurgent career with the Portland trailblazers than he's having with the Lakers in that funny. So we, we were great stewards. older. Let's be, yeah, that's, that's fine. But I uh, just, for the yeah. points that I want to make, but so we were Sorry. good stewards <laughs> of his legacy and now we're, ex- you know, it's getting out there that we're extending these kind of things to a player like CJ, who yes, is not an all-star, but he's known this has been coming. It's been talked about Casey Holdall. If anybody for some fucking reason has found this podcast, but has not read the interview that Casey Holdall did with Damian Lillard, you know, go and read it. It's a great piece, you know, and yep. it talks about that. Dame was kept in on it. Him and CJ were talking. They knew it was coming. And then the organization, talking with CJ, you know, here's some of the options that are on the table. Here's things we're talking to. Here's teams we're talking to. Where do you want to go? What do you want to do? Those are things that, you know, they seem stupid and minuscule to us. They matter. They matter to the players. They fucking matter. And those kind of things that, that teams do for players make their way throughout the league and impact how these future free agents or whatnot that we're talking about or players getting traded here and how much give a fucks they're going to have when they get here. Those impact all of that. I agree. Yep. I totally agree. And I, I do want to say like 
CJ McCollum, like, you know, every Blazers fan should extend a huge thank you to him for his career, everything he put um, while he was in Portland, the Blazers wouldn't have made the Western Conference Finals had it not been for CJ McCollum, and we should never forget that. Mm-hmm. And I also want to say, you know, I know that CJ is a pretty online dude, and he sees a lot of what people say about him. And he saw for a long time the people who included me who were asking for him to be traded for the last time. I think it's worth saying. The reason why we wanted CJ traded is because he didn't fit very well with Dame, which is something we all have known for a while. It had nothing to do with him being a talented no. player. He's a talented player, and he's going to prove that. He had a crappy first game. Oh, well. If, yeah. if Zion comes back, if Brandon That's Ingram a, continues developing, car. yeah, I, and CJ, and then they have, what was who's the dude who's like the uh, ultra good defender who's young? Jackson Hayes. No, I think it's, is it Lou Reed? Oh, that's a deep pull, and I have not heard his name once. So, dang it, I really should have. See, I'm not. I don't pretend to be an NBA guy. Um, the the point is that the the future is potentially pretty bright in New Orleans mm-hmm. if Zion wants to be there. So, I, I just want to say thank you to CJ. I'm wearing my CJ jersey. This is probably the my favorite Blazers jersey that I have. I wish they'd bring this one back. Um, but yeah, I, uh, so my, thank you, I, I've I've told this before, but you know, CJ. I've, I've had a very unique and special relationship with him over the years. You know, there have been times where I've, I've dropped lines of that. I have sources or this or that or the other on certain things. Um, a couple of years ago, I was sitting on my couch talking to my son, you know, like two days before my birthday or whatnot. And the Blazers are playing on my birthday and he's like, well, dad, are you going to the game? And I was like, well, no, I don't have tickets or whatnot. And he's like, well, but you're a podcaster. I thought you, you know, don't you, <laughs> I'm like, dude, that doesn't mean I know all the players. And I, let me see. So two years ago, he was just getting ready to turn nine. So he's eight at this time. And so I'm trying to explain to him, no, dude, I am literally just an armchair quarterback. I am a, I'm a white guy that can't dribble with his left hand and will give you six hard fouls. <laughs> uh, but yes, I do talk about basketball for fun, but no, I don't just know all the players or, or anything. And, and to prove the point, I jumped on Twitter and I made a stupid thing. I was like, Hey, you know, my birthday's coming up. I wonder if Dame or CJ wants to, you know, give me any, any awesome tickets to the game on the 27th for me and my son to go attend. I was like, yeah, see, like if I knew them, I'd get tickets. I sh- as I'm showing my son, the phone, he sees the notification drop down. CJ McCullum replied, he goes, you bet. What's the name? And I'm like, fuck parenting fail, but awesome. And I'm like, I'm like, Hey, same name as, as that you see on the Twitter thing. And he's like, all right, great. They'll be at we'll call for you. And I sat next to Dame's fiance and Dame's mom. And, uh, I believe Elise was on the other side of me. So we were right in the freaking family section, you know, (laughs) Uh, it was near the end of the game. Like I think me and my son took pictures and it was just like, Oh, thanks CJ. Awesome night. And he goes, hang around. He goes, I'm getting treatment. 
then I'm like, uh, the arena clears out, you know, Lamar heard looks up and he goes, Hey, are you the ones that CJ gave the tickets to? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, come down here. And so me and my son go down on the court. My son's dribbling a basketball around. He got a couple pictures with Lamar heard. I sat down there. I BS with him for a while. Uh, we had, uh, I think there was, Oh, it was, that was come the civil war, game formerly known as the civil war between Oregon and Oregon state was, uh, coming up that weekend. And I let it be known. I was a ducks fan. So we did a decent amount of shit talking back and forth on that, <laughs> you know, and then CJ came out and hang out with me and my son after a game, I think they lost by like five or six. It was a close game, but CJ played his ass off that night and CJ sat down in the stands and hung out with us for like half an hour. I was just mm-hmm. doing nothing but like talking to my son and whatnot and finding out like how he got into basketball and God bless my son. He goes, my dad does a podcast. He talks about you. And, and CJ's like, Oh, Oh, you talk about me, huh? And I'm like, I'm not going to tell you no. Cause yeah. <laughs> but, but we chatted and you know, him and I, we had connected a couple of times. There were certain things where I was able to reach out to him, you know, through, through a number. And I'm like, dude, you know, like good game or, or this, that, or the other hour, or is it, is this really a rumor that's happening? I've sourced him. It's fine. It's whatever, but he is a fantastic human being. He was a great player. He will go down easily as one of him and Dame as one of the top two to three duos of, of Blazers of all time. And in all honesty, it's truly the end of an era. And as much as us as fans and outsiders or commentators or Twitter personality, people have been clamoring for the Blazers to trade him it's only because of looking at it from a basketball perspective and not us diminishing what he has done and brought to the franchise and the community and will continue to bring to the community for years to come. He's, he's an Oregon guy. He's, he's he's long stated. He will be here. And, you know, for me personally, at the, the tail end of that story, you know, I had to break the news when it finally happened to my son, who's now 10, almost 11, that they traded CJ McCollum. And he's like, did he go to the Raptors? Because that's my son's other favorite team. Because when I got him into basketball, he was a big fan of Jurassic World. And I said, no, he went to the Pelicans. Now, God bless my son. He's again, he's 10. He said, but that's the team with the fat guy that never plays. (laughs) (laughs) So that's that. But he goes, he goes, I also don't like the bird, the Pelicans. They scare me. He's like, well, I guess I'll, I'll always like CJ. He goes, do the Blazers play the Pelicans again? I said, yes, March 30th. And yes, I've already bought his tickets. And he goes, okay, I'll go say goodbye to him then. But CJ McCollum helped turn my son into a basketball fan and a Blazers fan. So that's pretty incredible. I'm always going to have love for him. Yeah. And I, I, you actually said something in there that I, it got me thinking, I'm not sure that there is a more memorable Blazers duo ever than Damon CJ. You go through the different eras of Blazers basketball and you go through I think the cha- Clyde and Terry. Kind See, of so he, so here's my reasoning though. Is that like the Clyde and Terry stuff. It's like, yeah, like Terry Porter was their second best player, but like Jerome Kersey and Buck Williams and even Kevin Duckworth were, were very, very important. Like that team mm-hmm. to me was like, it always felt 
Clyde and kind of everyone else, like some is greater than the pieces type of thing. So I don't know, like, I think you can make a good argument for it. A a quick editing note. I don't know why I said Lou Reed, who um, was the lead singer of the Velvet Underground. I told you I had no idea who the fuck that was. He's a rookie. He's six, eight, seven, one wingspan. I've never heard of him. He's an incredible defender. He's in New Orleans. And the fact that Josh Hart has, has been shipped to Portland is opening up time for Herb Jones, who apparently is like an analytics darling. Again, he's, he's, he's going to be amazing. Futures bright New Orleans. That story about CJ and your son is really touching. And I, I, again, like, yeah, like I think it speaks a lot to who he is as a person. He'll be missed. And I'm never going to get rid of this Jersey ever. Um, I mean, I've had some blazers jerseys I've traded or sold in the past. And this, I guarantee will never be one of them. Um, so with that, is there anything else you wanted to close with or how we feeling? No, let's, you know, the, the, the organization is asking for a lot of trust and they've asked that for us for the past 10 years. And I feel as though they violated that trust and, and we've wrongly misplaced it in them. But this is, this is one of those instances where I think we need to, and we'll see. And there's a lot of, ch- there, there are way more chances for there to be a bright and happy and positive future this upcoming season. And if not, then there to be forward progress to it, to be the following season, then there have been in the last four years in a long time. And to your point about trust, yeah, it does require a lot of trust. And also look at this trade deadline. If nothing had happened and they were saying, trust us, it's good. Like I would be skeptical and I wouldn't be feeling very good. No, the fact that Joe Cronin and I, I boy, am I loathe to give credit to Jody Allen. He was given the keys to make the biggest possible moves absent trading Dame for an interim GM. That's pretty remarkable. And a lot of people had a lot of doubt about mm-hmm. that. And, and for, I, I think and for I, people I, that are looking at it as just, this is a billionaire trying to save money. This is not the billionaire trying to save money. This is, this is the billionaire giving Cronin the keys to do, as he said, the easy part is to knock down the Jenga board the, or the, the, you know, the pyramid, uh, the, the hard yeah. part is to build it back up. And I'm call me a sucker. If it doesn't work, feel free to come back at me and laugh at me and tell me I was wrong, but I'm willing to give him the go on this. I feel better now than I did before the trade deadline and it's not close. So that's great. And it's going to be a weird end of the season watching games. I'm honestly, Ryan, like I'm really rooting for them to lose at this point. I truly am like, I want them to, I want Ant to go for 35 and 10 every game. You know, I want Greg Brown to look like an NBA player. uh, And I want them to lose by one point every single time because that uh, hot hot gambling tip for anybody who's actually transferred over their Oregon lottery scoreboard. Uh, to DraftKings, um, a fantastic and very profitable, even if you're going going on the margins and throw down like just a small $10 bet per game or whatnot, a very profitable same game parlay in DraftKings has been the money line on the Blazers opponent and the over on the Anthony Simons point total. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I think I would like next episode to be a lot about Ant because in short, dude's 22 and 
since Dame has gone down, he has been a better player than the aforementioned CJ McCollum. He's a better pat like and, and I love CJ. Like I'm not trying to take anything, but mm-hmm. I'm just saying that like Anthony Simons has been really, really good and people should be feeling quite good about that. Now, if people wanted to feel good with us, where would they go to do that, Ryan? They can find us at We Like Blazers because we can't afford the the on Twitter. Uh, no, it's uh, like the Blazers. Oh, it's just like we can't afford the we. Okay, there we go. It's it's like Ooh. the Blazers. Is it because directive? Is We're it, demanding that people do this thing. Is it because Danny <laughs> stole all the we's? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so you can find us at Like the Blazers on Twitter. You can find me at the Witty Ryan. You can find Brandon at uh, Goldner PDX. Uh, go ahead and search for We Like the Blazers on any of your podcast catchers. Most likely, we will be there. We have not left Spotify yet. Uh, but until next time, which I will say real quick, we won't record on a weekly basis while the Blazers suck because we can only polish a turd so much. We'll probably (laughs) drop down to maybe twice a month. Uh, You know, also because of, you know, different life aspects and changes of things going on. But uh, you'll hear from us. We'll we'll touch in time to time. But uh, until next time, Brandon, go Blazers. Go Blazers.